Welcome to Coastline Church, seeking renewed faith in Humboldt County by being settled and secure in God's love. To learn more, visit coastlinefoursquare.com. Well, it seems only appropriate that today being the first of a new year that we're finishing up our series in Acts. We're in Acts 28, uh, the last chapter of Acts. And uh, so it has been said many times that Acts 29 is us. And what will we do with uh, the Holy Spirit in our lives? And so uh, let's read through and I'll make some comments and then we'll have communion. My heart is really uh, filled with prayer this morning, and maybe that's a sign of things to come, and maybe that's something that will be emphasized uh, more um, this year, but my heart is just filled with so many prayers. There's so many people with needs, and praying for healing uh, for people and people who are experiencing grief. Um, which, by the way, Tom's mother did go to be with the Lord. So, um, so that's uh, Tom and Teresa. They're very much greeting, and um, several others. And like Jerry was saying, we've got people who are are, are not feeling well either. So please keep them in prayer. Whatever you hear the Holy Spirit say, just just speak to them because you just speak to that to the Lord because you just never know. You never know when you have some impression that's put on you, you never know what effect that, that will have. And if you choose to just like do nothing, you'll be not only cheating yourself out of a blessing, but you'll be cheating, che cheating yourself out of giving a blessing to somebody. So here we go, Acts 28, the last chapter, starting with verse one. I'm reading out of the New Living Translation today, I believe. And so um, there you go. Once we were safe on shore, we learned that we were on the island of Malta. The people of the island were very kind to us. It was cold and rainy, so they built a fire on the shore to welcome us. I think it's, it's very uh, interesting to me that, okay, we've got, a, we've got a shipwrecked crew, you know, and they're soaked to the bones and everything, and these strangers on this island are greeting them in their great, great distress. And not only that, but they're building a fire because we're not talking just like a little campfire, you know, we've got our little propane thing going on here and, and there's, you know, maybe two of us trying to warm our hands. We've got all these guys and and, and who knows what whatever else, if they had animals on there or not, I don't know what they would have had. I, I don't think they would have. But it was just so interesting to me that that, that it was saying that the people were very kind to us and they were ministering to them in their distress. And that could be a lesson to us too, that even when we're, we're in distress, that the Lord will um, minister to us. And, you know, uh, it's been said of Abraham um, in the Old Testament, mentioned in the New Testament, I believe it's <clears throat> Hebrews 13, that um, Abraham, you know, greeted those people, that it was their... It was their tradition, it was their culture, when strangers came, that you invited them into your tent, that you were hospitable to them, and it turned out that those two strangers were angels. You remember that? And so it kind of reminded me of that, and, and the importance of hospitality, and to understand that that is, that is a gift of God, too. It's a gift of God to, 
open up your hearts, open up your resources, open up your homes, your tents in that case. And um, so all these things are like going around in my mind. And that even, even Abraham and in this situation of these islanders here, that they were honoring all men, not even knowing if they were believers or not, thinking that they might not have been a believers by what transpires next. But, um, but there was an honor there. Verse 3, as Paul gathered an armful of sticks and was laying them on the fire, a poisonous snake, driven out by the heat, bit him on the hand. You know, when I first read that uh, verse, I immediately thought of that scripture in my heart that says that no weapon formed against you will prosper. It didn't say that the weapon wouldn't be formed. It wouldn't, didn't say that it wouldn't actually go out but that it wouldn't prosper, that it wouldn't succeed in the purpose that it was sent out to do. And, and that sometimes when we find ourselves in uh, distressed kinds of fire, or even I, I've experienced this too, the, the fire of the Lord, the kind that it's good. It's good in our hearts that sometimes we'll find ourselves being bit by something because something else is being stirred up, you know. And, um, and we've been studying in Amon's our the women's Bible study um, even brought this out in chapter 5, saying that if you lean against a, a wall, a viper can come out. And that in Ecclesiastes, uh, you know, that that book about wisdom, there was a, a verse that said in 10.8 that, that there was a fear that could grip the people because uh, they did not want to tear down the hedges. And I don't know if that does anything for you if you're just going, oh, that's blah, blah, blah. But for me, it was it's making a point to me that sometimes fear will come in and for us to be mindful of it. Sometimes it'll look like it in different ways, in different aspects of it. To, but rec to recognize it as fear and to not come into agreement with that fear when, when at all possible. And to lean into the Lord and into this so um, he was bit by the hand, okay, and they've been real hospitable. But the people now, verse 4, the people of the island saw it hanging from his hand and said to each other, A murderer, no doubt, though he escaped the sea, justice will not permit him to live. And so what I see here is that they had some kind of honor code, some kind of culture code going on. They somehow knew something about evil and good and right now they're they're looking at him and saying hmm i think he's a murderer and that they also recognize that that was a crime because you know they could have been cannibals and so then that wouldn't have been a crime it would have been dinner you know and so and so i was thinking about that and, and thinking about job's friends you know everything that job said job's friends said to them technically was true but except for when they made judgments against him but the the things that they were saying about god and the things that they knew about god were technically correct but they were not correct in that instance because they were not being motivated by hearing god now granted we have an advantage here because we have the holy spirit within us all, at all times but i was i was thinking about that that this was not unlike job's friends except that Job's friends knew the Lord. 
<clears throat> verse 5, but Paul shook off the snake into the fire and was unharmed. The people waited for him to swell up or suddenly drop dead. Right? Right? Then it goes on, but when they had waited a long time and saw that he wasn't harmed, they changed their minds and decided he was the God. So they went from murder to now, you know, all hail Paul, who shakes <laughs> off snakes into fires and is unharmed. And um, I, I was uh, thinking about Jesus and how, you know, you can't, if you're smart, don't believe your own press, you know, because one week they're saying, Hosanna, Hosanna, and the next week they're saying, crucify him, crucify him. So we all we have, all have those places, but they go from vilifying him to now um, they're a god, you know. So on to verse 7, near the shore where we landed was an estate belonging to Publius, the chief official of the island, some translations say mayor. He welcomed us and treated us kindly for three days. Again, I'm very, very impressed that even though this, this was a rich dude, according to other translations, that they, they had this extreme hospitality for three whole days, the crew, right? Verse 8, as it happened, Publius's father was ill with fever and dysentery. Ooh, no bueno. Um, Paul went in and prayed for him, and laying his hands on him, he healed them. In some, uh, in some uh, teachings and commentaries, they were liking it to this, that same illustration that if you receive a prophet in the name of the prophet, you will have a prophet's reward. And so they received him as, as a, a, a person sent from God, in fact, maybe even God in their minds uh, kind of thing. He lays hands on them, they're healed. Um, all is well in that house, like the song we just sang. Verse 9, then all the other sick people on the island came, and they were healed. As a result, we were showered with honors, and when the time came to sail, people supplied us with everything we would need for the trip. So I see here a lot of respect for the people. Maybe they still were thinking maybe they should kiss his feet. I don't know. Maybe they were over that by, by the third day. But... Um, they had all the respect from the people, and they had everything that they needed. Because remember, Paul always made a point of, he took care of his own needs. He was a tent maker by trade, and not because he had to, but because he just wanted to show that it's, there's nothing wrong with good hard work. And, um, and so I think that it's really uh, wonderful here that the people supplied him and the crew with everything that they need for the trip because of this time that they were there. And remember, Five points. They're rolling. Okay. It's still rolling. 
So, Lord, I just pray that you would bring uh, peace to all hearts, Lord. Uh, Lord, I just uh, pray that anybody that's um, traumatized, that you would bring healing to them, that you would bring uh, comfort to them and strength to them, Lord. Father, I just thank you that uh, you are God over all. And now it makes sense why I kept saying 9 11, 9 11, 9 11 all, all day to, today and last night. So, anyway, thank you, Lord, for strengthening us. And, uh, yeah. Thank Thank you for emergency workers, Lord, too. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Verse 11. It was three months after the shipwreck that we set sail on another ship that had wintered at the island an Alexandrian ship with the twin gods as its figureheads. I think it's interesting that I'm on verse 11, and the thoughts, two thoughts that came over my mind was that the Lord is the Lord who presides over our storms, and the Lord is our Lord, and he protects us, and he protected these seafaring men, even though they didn't listen to Paul. Paul said it wasn't good that they should wait until, you know, the winter weather was not upon them. On to verse 12. Our first stop was Syracuse, where we stayed there three days. From there, we sailed across to Regium. A day later, a south wind began blowing up, so the following day, we sailed up the coast to Petoli. Verse 14. There we found some believers who invited us to spend a week with them. A week. And so we came to Rome. Verse 16. The brothers and sisters in Rome had heard we were coming, and they came to us, came to meet us at the Forum on the Appian Way. Others joined us at the three taverns. Again, we're seeing that there was great respect shown for Paul, even though he was in chains. There was great, great respect for them, and um, I believe that there was a great comfort that was brought to Paul, even though he was in chains. There seemed uh, to be an encouragement there. And it goes on to say when Paul saw them, he was encouraged and he thanked God. He took courage and then he thanked God. I think that's a good order of things um, to remember to thank the Lord. Thank the Lord when we're taking courage. Thank the Lord when uh, we're being strengthened. Verse 16, when, he, uh, when we arrived in Rome, Paul was permitted to have his own private lodging, though he was guarded by a soldier. And again, it just seems like this uh, drum is being beat, that there is favor that Paul's finding. He's finding favor with the captain of the guard. 
Verse 17, three days after Paul's arrival, he called together the local Jewish leaders. He said to them, Brothers, I was arrested in Jerusalem and handed over to the Roman government, even though I had done nothing against our people or the customs of our ancestors. The Romans tried me and wanted to release me because they found no cause for the death sentence. But when the Jewish leaders protested the decision, I felt it necessary to appeal to Caesar, even though I had no desire to press charges against my own people. I asked you to come here today so we could get acquainted and so I could explain to you that I am bound with this chain because I believe that the hope of Israel, the Messiah, has already come. Verse 21. They replied, We have had no letters from Judea or reports against you from anyone who has come here. So there wasn't much of a, a response when he said that, which was probably very telling. But on to verse 22. We want to hear what you believe, for the only thing we know about this movement is that it is denounced everywhere. So a time was sent, and on that day a large number of people came to Paul's lodging. He explained and testified about the kingdom of God and tried to persuade, persuade them about Jesus from the scriptures. Using the law of Moses and the books of the prophets, he spoke to them from morning to evening. From morning to evening, evening I, I was thinking Paul was just, he was, he was wanting to convince them, and he wanted to be earnest about it, and he wanted to bring them to a full knowledge of Christ. Verse 24 says, Some were persuaded by the things he said, but others did not believe. And after they had argued back and forth amongst themselves, they left with this final word from Paul. Before I go into the final word, some translations say that they turned their backs on him. And so here he is. He spent all morning into the evening, late into the night, trying to convince them that Jesus is Lord, Jesus is Lord, come to a saving knowledge, and yet uh, this is what the Holy Spirit says next out of Paul's mouth. <clears throat> the Holy Spirit was right when he said to your ancestors through Isaiah the prophet, go and say to this people, when you hear what I say, you will not understand. When you see what I do, you will not comprehend. For the hearts of these people are hardened and their ears cannot hear. And they have closed their eyes, their eyes cannot see, and their ears cannot hear. And their hearts cannot understand, and they cannot turn to me and let me heal them. So I want you to know that this salvation from God has also been offered to the Gentiles, and they will accept it. So in all of this, God was glorified. The people who got to hear him speak from morning to evening, I know people today who actually would... When they go to heaven, the first person they want to talk to is Paul, because they, Paul so impacted their life through the scriptures. But they were left without excuse, because he was very clear about it. And then the apostles were justified to go on and be preaching the gospel now to the Gentiles. Verse 30, for the next two years, Paul lived in Rome, all at his own expense. He welcomed all who visited him. Again, he had this great favor and liberty to preach the gospel, even though it, he was technically under a house arrest. But it said that he lived at his own expense, so that tells me that he was able to uh, raise funds somehow, some way, maybe by tent making. Uh, we're not told here specifically what it was. Uh, verse 31, boldly proclaiming the kingdom of God and teaching about the Lord Jesus Christ. 
and no one tried to stop him. So he had a divine grace and he had a liberty of spirit. He had this divine timing from the Lord, this, this timing, this uh, place and time that he could share the gospel and help have uh, many people turn to the Lord, even though uh, we, we're not hearing right now all of it. And then also, you have to remember he wrote, I believe it was Romans, Galatians, Ephesians, and one of the letters of Timothy during this time. So it was very productive, even for us, to even be studying uh, um, all of the Word of God that we study today because of it. And um, which reminds me of um, the scripture in Philippians 4 that says that he's given us an effectual door. And that's what the Lord did. That's what the Holy Spirit did through Paul. He gave him an effectual door. The door was open and there was an opportunity to them to have Jesus as Messiah. And uh, as for the ones that were the, the chief religious leaders that chose not to uh, be convinced of it, it opened up the way for us. And because of that, we now have the opportunity to be part of that Acts 29. We have the opportunity to flow in the Holy Spirit and to hear what he has to say and then to walk it out. And um, so there concludes the, the section of Acts. And today is our communion Sunday, the Sunday that we uh, take to remember the Lord's body. And so I want to read out of Corinthians chapter 11 in the uh, mirror translation. Today, starting um, chapter 11, starting with 22, <coughs> I'm sorry, 23. Let me remind you then what we are actually celebrating in our fellowship meal, because they got to actually have a potluck, I guess. The night in which the Lord Jesus was portrayed, he took bread and gave thanks. Breaking the bread into portions, he said, Realize your association with my death. Every time you eat, remember my body that was broken for you. He did exactly the same with the cup after supper and said, This cup holds the wine of the new covenant in my blood. You celebrate me every time you drink with this understanding. So let's stand if you're, you're able and... Um, Maybe go on the sides, pick up your community elements, and go back down the center, uh, and we'll take communion together. I was wearing, I'm like, we thought it was a earthquake. <laughs> 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 
Sorry, I was getting my communion stuff. <laughs> so, Father God, we thank you for your bread. We thank you. This represents your body, Lord. Thank you that it was broken for us. Thank you that uh, come hell or high water, come earthquake, come floods, come whatever, that we we are uh, we are hidden inside of you because of it. So we thank you for your body that was broken for us, and we receive it now with thanksgiving as such. Lord, in the same way, we thank you, Lord, for your blood that was shed for us, that not only provided healing and provided salvation for us, Lord, but we plead your blood of Jesus over each family represented here, Lord, over our community. Lord, we pray that you would be glorified and that you would be uplifted in this place. We pray that everything that we say, we pray that everything we do, everything that we sing, everything that we give forth, even in those blessing bags, Lord, that they would be marked by you and glorifying you. So we glorify and we thank you, Lord, for your blood that was shed. And we remember this as we drink the cup. Thank you for joining us today at Coastline Church. To find out more information, please visit coastlinefoursquare.com.